God is doing a great thing. Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 4 through 6. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That pretty much covers space, doesn't it? Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me wow are there any other gods before him he says they hate me I like verse 6 and showing mercy this is what I do I show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments for just a little while today I want to preach on this subject don't shrink God don't shrink God would you raise your hands let's pray together mighty God we thank you for your word we thank you for your commandments we thank you Lord for the wisdom in this world of what it means to keep your commandments and to serve you and to love you with all of our heart mind soul and strength minister today to your people minister today to this preacher God use us for your glory in the mighty name of Jesus clap your hands as you're seated in Jesus name hallelujah <clears throat> several years ago the Walt Disney Company produced a film entitled Honey I Shrunk the Kids I'm sure y'all didn't see it, but it was a movie nonetheless that was called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This film was about a hapless, hard luck inventor who came up with a miracle that would shrink objects and then allow them to be enlarged back to their original size at the push of a button. What a concept. What a dream. Imagine the savings that we would have, for instance, on shipping products and at the airlines when our luggage could be shrunk down to microscopic size, placed in the hold, and then enlarged when they reached their destination. We could move our whole house to Europe for vacation and then move it back. Imagine the benefits of such a device. Unfortunately, this device was filled with 
problems from the onset. And in the film, it turns out that in testing and working on the device, the inventor accidentally managed to shrink his children. The inventor had to go confess to his wife, admit, honey, I shrunk the kids. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I've seen it. We've been talking about revival. Is there anybody in this house that wants to see a great and mighty revival in the city of McKinney? Hallelujah. And we have felt the stirrings of revival in many of our services like never before. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for that. But as we progress toward revival, we have to follow the rules. Come on, somebody. As we progress toward revival, we have to follow the rules. To achieve revival, the will of God is the most important part of the equation. Praise God. Don't walk out of the will of God. We as individuals, we as families, we as a church, we as pastors cannot afford to walk out of the will of God or to take lightly the will of God because it is God's will for people to be saved. It is God's will to use you and to use me to see that people are saved. Do you know that is the primary purpose of you receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost so you can be little Jesuses everywhere in the world because now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, amen. It is Christ in you that is reconciled, continuing to reconcile, reconcile the world unto himself. We must be in the will of God. God gives us the first concrete of evidence of his will through the Ten Commandments. Unfortunately for many, the Ten Commandments have been reduced to the Ten Suggestions. Hmm? I want to tell somebody they're not suggestions. They have become treated as optional when it comes to the conducting of our lives. A church member went to his pastor to tell him he was going to the Holy Land. He said that it was in his intention to visit Mount Sinai. In fact, the man told the minister, I plan, I plan to climb to the top of that mountain and when I get there on the top of Mount Sinai, I'm going to read aloud the Ten Commandments. Sounds spiritual. Thinking this would please his pastor, the church member was surprised to hear his pastor say, you know, I can think of something even better than that, the man responded. You can, pastor? And what that might that be? 
his pastor rather bluntly replied, just this, instead of traveling thousands of miles to read the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, why not stay right here at home and keep them? <laughs> it seems that many in our nation have decided that the Ten Commandments are no longer valid. Ted Turner called them outdated and archaic. The ACLU declared them off limits in public buildings. The live easy, do what you want liberals call them too restricting. I don't know about you, but I need restrictions. I do know about you. You need them too. Hallelujah. When you and I place our trust in something else other than God, we limit God, we shrink God, we have reduced or shrunk our idea of who God really is. We want him on our own terms and not his. So in order to meet our own limited expectations, we reduce God by restricting his nature. We shrink him in our minds into something that we can understand, something that we as humans can grasp. I started to entitle this message, God is getting smaller, just to see the shock on your face. <laughs> But really, he has in so many people's life. Let me ask you in this house today, is God as big to you? Does he look as big to you? Are you recognizing him? Are you looking to him as the great big God that you saw when you came to him for redemption? Or has he shrunk? Have you shrunk him? Have you downsized him? God, by his very nature, is beyond our understanding. He's beyond our comprehension. Yet we try to pretend that we have him all figured out. His ways are past finding out. His ways are so far above our ways. When you and I bow down before the idols of this world, we shrink our concept of who God is and where God is. Let me tell you where God is. Psalms 139.7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Does this sound like a God that can be reduced to a piece of molten metal, an image or a carved piece of wood? We can't shrink God down to a trinket 
that we can place in our pocket or leave on a shelf until we need him. God is so vast. He is so omnipresent that we cannot contain him. I'm talking about how big our God is. I'm telling you, people have shrunk him. They are shrinking him. They are downsizing him in their lives. And believe me, if you have downsized God in your life, if you have shrunk God in your life, you'll never be able to turn another soul to him. because people are searching for a big God and whether you know it or not you need a mighty big God hallelujah the good news is we have a mighty big God hallelujah praise God we've stripped God of his uniqueness We've stripped God of his holiness and we've reduced him to some sort of quick fix to help us out when we find ourselves in trouble. You know, that's the only time many people turn to God when they find themselves in trouble. Some people treat God just like a vending machine. Punch the button of choice when you're in the mood and expect instant results. You can't shrink God to a vending machine. The word of God warns us concerning the children of Israel. In Psalm 78, it says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God. They turned back and tempted God. Hear this, and limited and limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit God who has no limits by your will? By your will, you can shrink the Lord. You can downsize Him. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. So many Christians today don't remember where he brought them from. So many Christians today are tempted and provoked or they're tempting and they're provoking God. They turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful foe. For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. They had shrunk God to some little trinkets that they could sit and bow to. Um, um, whoops, oh, God fell, God fell, God fell, let me get him back over here, I gotta, huh? <laughs> you may say, I don't, I don't have, I don't have an idol. But many of us do. We've shrunk him. We've put other things in his place. 
We worship those more than we worship. I'm sorry if I'm being a little tough today. Hallelujah. I like to run the aisle messages too and build your faith stuff, but, but hey, if we don't have this right, forget about running the aisles. I'd rather go to a ball game instead of live on emotion or just because the music's just right or just because the lighting and the heat and air and everything is just right, I can have a warm fuzzy and I can leave a church service feeling good. I don't want to trade feeling the presence of the almighty God and the powerful touch of his hand, hallelujah, over anything whatsoever. We may not carry a graven image around. We may not worship a calf made of gold, but we can and we do worship idols each and every day. We find ourselves placing things before God that are less important than what our priorities should be. Anything we put before God is an idol whether we want to call it that or not. It's possible. You may not think so, but it's possible even to put our family before God. It's God first Family second, others third, me last. That's the way it is. That's the divine order. (laughs) Praise God. So it's possible to put our family before God. Some of us put our job before God. Some people, when they go look for a job, don't even bother notifying them that they are a faithful Christian who needs such and such times off? Can you work with me on that? I've asked so many people, well, did you tell them that up front? No, I was afraid I might not get the job. If you will tell them that up front, God will bless you with a better job than that. Praise God. I'm just saying how it is. God will make a way because he's a big God. He can do anything. He can change the heart of an employer. He can change the heart of a wife, a husband, or whatever you're dealing with so that he stays first in your life. A lot of us, oh Lord, this is the one I shouldn't talk about. A lot of us put enjoyment and pleasure before God I'm not talking about the times that we all need to get apart before we come apart (laughs) hallelujah time with the family some time away some time of relaxation vacation we we need that but you I don't know if you'd be amazed or not some of the things that, that people will put church out of the picture They'll put prayer meeting out of the picture because there's a game on. There's there, there there's their favorite show. There, there you, you know what and, and uh, or just you know what it's been a while since we've been out to eat and we've actually got some free time on Tuesday. Let's just go do that instead. 
and, and I'm saying that, and you've got a whole lot of slack there because we don't have a whole lot of stuff going on midweek right now. <laughs> but I'm paving the way. I'm, I'm seeing a time when we're going to have stuff going on almost every night of the week. There's going to be something for everybody to participate in and be involved in, and we need everybody to do it. So start making arrangements now to free up some evenings because we're going to use them as tools to reach out to someone that we can influence with a certain event or something that's going on with the church and bring them in and let them feel warm and accepted in our presence. Hallelujah. The idol of choice today seems to be the almighty dollar. <laughs> we chase it. I'm guilty sometimes. Sometimes I have to out of necessity and sometimes I have to just because it feels better <laughs> when there's more money. <laughs> Come on now. Anybody out there? But don't put it in front of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have as hard of a time getting who's on first as Abbott and Costello did. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. And it's 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 a mess because Nobody knows who's on first. Maybe y'all are too young for that one. Yeah, YouTube that one. Come on now. If you have not seen who's on first with Abbott and Costello, you need to see that. <laughs> and some Christians are just as confused in their life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go watch it because or listen to it because it will make you understand we struggle with these things every day of putting who's on first. The Word of God says in Matthew 6, you know it, seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. I would that you would have good success and prosper in all your ways. Prosper even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Recall how Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell all that he had and to give the money to the poor if he were to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't tell him that because a rich man cannot receive salvation, but rather because Jesus knew the man's heart. He knew that the man loved money more than anything and that it would continue to be a stumbling block to him. We shrink the Lord when we doubt him. Remember the story of Elisha with the king of Israel 
Joash, he looked and he said, oh, everything's in disarray. Uh, my house, the house of Israel, and look at the problems that we're faced with. Elisha said, I've got good news for you. God's eye is upon you and God wants to give you great and mighty victory in the house of Israel. He said, I want you to step over here with me. I'm gonna give you a little illustration of what God wants to do. So 2 Kings 13, 18, Elisha said, take the arrows. He gave him some arrows and it said he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. So Joash took the arrows and three times, boom, boom, boom. And then it said he stopped. And the man of God became angry with him. He said, thou should have smitten five or six times. Keep it going. <laughs> then you would have smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. We have no idea sometimes of how we have limited God. It is a great big future for Grace Point Fellowship. It is a great big future for you and your house. It is a great time of revival that God has prepared for us, but we've got to put our priorities in place. We have got to size God back up to the place that he belongs in our life once again. We've got to take me back to the place. I could just write another verse to that. To the place where I first saw you big. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get me back to that place and then help me to see you even bigger. Help me to put no other idols before you. Help me to not have any graven images or any other thing that is taking your place. As the musicians come, When we disobey God, when we deny God, when we doubt God, the story of Samson and Delilah, he disobeyed God. Nobody knew like Samson how big God was. He just slay the Philistines by the thousands. He, he, he was blessed. Nothing could stop him. Nothing could hold him. Nothing could bind him until he let something else, or rather I should say someone else, get between him and God. It reminds me of something. There's people that are not in this place today because of hypocrites in the church 
You know what a hypocrite is? Someone who's not themselves on Sunday. My dad always says, if you let a hypocrite get between you and God, the hypocrite's closer to God than you are. People are letting all kinds of things get between them and God. Would you stand with me today? I don't want anything to separate me. Paul said, I'm not going to let anything separate me from the love of God. I don't care if it's pestilence. I don't care if it's turmoil, sickness, uh, any, any, anything that you can list. I'm not going to let it separate me from the love of God. tells us when Jesus was walking through the cities of what we now call the Holy Land said many were offended in him but Jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house and it said he did not many mighty works there he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Heard about two pastor's wives. They were at the laundry and one of them was complaining about how their church was declining how things just weren't the way they used to be and they were losing people, not gaining people and things have become mundane. And she complained as she was putting patches on her husband's, the seat of her husband's bridges. The other pastor's wife was excited and she said, the revival fires are burning. Man, new people, we're seeing them every, we're seeing things happen like we've never seen before. As she was patching the knees of her husband's britches. Before you say, yeah, that's right, preacher. Y'all need to be prayer warriors. Can't be sitting around. Can't be sitting idle. I'm going to tell you what's good for the preacher is good for the pew. Praise God. We got to get up from where we've been sitting. We got to get on our knees. We got to cry out to God. We've got to make him big again. Hallelujah. You know, when you go to McDonald's, you have the choice to downsize or supersize. Praise God. It's the same thing when you come to church. You can wait until somebody else gets it going. You can wait until something tingles you just right and maybe you get moved just a little bit or you can just supersize God in your life. Hallelujah. You can begin to affect and show everybody around you how big God is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Another fellow was asking his pastor, he says, I want revival so bad. Why aren't we having revival? I want revival. Tell me how to have revival, pastor. And the pastor said, yeah, I just happened to have a piece of chalk with me. Handed it to him. He said, I want you to draw a chalk line all the way around you. He did. The pastor said, all right. Now, you stay right in that chalk line until revival comes into the chalk line. Hallelujah. Strong families make strong churches. Spiritual individuals, praying individuals, people who see God in their mind, people who are putting the kingdom of God first in their mind, people who are having revival in their own life will set a church on fire. God. I wonder if we could just gather around up here and say, oh God, send revival in this in this chalk line right here. Lord, it's me. Lord, I'm not going to wonder why anybody else is not creating revival. I'm going to create revival. I'm going to make you big again. I'm not going to shrink you anymore down to something that fits in my pocket or fits my needs or my, my worldly desires, oh God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Let's pray as a church family right now. Dear God, we want to make you big again. Oh God, we want to see mighty, miraculous moves of your spirit, oh Lord, in this church, in our lives, in our families, oh God. Grant unto us revival, Lord, as we refocus, as we prioritize, as we put you first, Lord, in everything that we say and do. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Come on, cry out to the Lord. Tell him if you really mean it right now, Lord. I want you big.